Hey guys, welcome to Non-Dell Influencers Podcast. As always, your host, Nate Clear. And today I am privileged to have Chris Pearson from Pearson & Patterson join me. For those of you that don't know Chris, she is an absolute RESPA genius. She's also the owner of Pearson & Patterson, attorney firm that also assists in fulfillment services, custodial services, doc platform, and um, as well as all things e-signing and e-closing. Chris, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. So guys, uh, this is really gonna be geared towards anybody that's uh, you know, currently a broker, looking at correspondent lending and really diving into the details of the recent NAR judgment and what you know potential opportunities exist. Um, and really what kind of struck me is, hey, we gotta have Chris on our show is we were, you know, anybody that's a customer of First Funding knows that uh, you get set up with us, you're going to execute your custodial agreement. One of those signatures is is Chris Pearson, who we have on with us today. And Chris said, hey, did you see that in our judgment? And I said, yes, I did. She goes, that's really big for you guys. Um, and so we started having a, a dialogue about what that meant and what that means for our existing lenders, but more importantly for our prospective lenders. But before we dive into that, um, Chris, can you bring our listeners up to speed on what it is we're talking about when we're referring to the NAR judgment? Yes. Uh, what we're talking about is the way that real estate agents sell property. And this kind of goes way back into antiquity with the development of the MLS. And what typically happens is a listing agent lists a property with a seller. And when they list the property with the seller, they negotiate how much of the commission is going to be paid to a buyer's agent. And that's put on the MLS system. As a practical matter, this is what the cases have been about. A buyer's agent is probably not going to be aggressive on marketing a property that isn't listed at about 3% for the buyer's agent percentage of the commission. So effectively what the court found is that most listing agreements effectively result in the buying agent getting 3% and the listing agent getting a variable fee. And the court found that as being uh, basically inflationary and uh, a form of price fixing, which you are not allowed to do, as we all know, in any form of the industry. Because when they did the statistical analysis, it turned out pretty much every buying agent got between 2.5% and 3%, which is close enough uh, to find some sort of price fixing mechanism. Of course, the real estate agents vigorously disagree, but uh, the jury basically took less than two hours to see that there was an issue with the way the buyer agents were being compensated. Gotcha. And so when we're reading all this new information, right, we saw the big headline, NAR judgment, you know, huge settlement. Um, and then immediately, right, the response from NAR was, you know, we're going to appeal this to the highest level, et cetera. What all, I mean, wh where do you think that shakes out and what do you think that timeline looks like? 
Well, the main concern that I have is that all of the courts on this have the ability to get some sort of injunctive relief on this fire agent fee. They're not going to do that till 2024. So right now everything is sort of in suspense mm -hmm. until we know if the courts are actually going to go in and take that form of action, which frankly, one of the courts indicated it was going to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the sort of Damocles basically hanging over NAR is what's going to happen if the courts uh, find some sort of injunction on this arrangement. Also, you've got the problem that uh, the Department of Justice has waded in now. They are looking at the case and they are concerned about uh, this occurring in the marketplace. So even if the courts dissolve the cases, the Department of Justice is now looking into it. And uh, President Biden did sign an order basically ordering them to look into it. Wow. Yeah. So this this change sounds very real. If it doesn't come through the court system, then it'll come through some other entity. What so so I understand, you know, in terms of what happened for the settlement. Um, in terms of these buyer agents essentially being, you know, kind of paid this two and a half, three percent, just that's the standard. That's the way that it is. And it's just fixed. There's nothing really you can do about it. Let's get rid of that. What what do you see in terms of um, this changing? How does this change real estate practices? How does this change real estate contracts being written? And what does this mean for you know, lenders, for brokers and their borrowers? It, 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 Wall Street obviously is weighted in and has a bunch of very sophisticated scenarios on what they think is going to happen. But I think in all probability, you're seeing uh, real estate agents right now going, we're really going to need representation agreements on the part of the buyer, where the buyer negotiates their fee directly with the agent. And that doesn't mean that the seller cannot pay a percentage of the buyer agent's fee. They can, but it won't be going through the, the uh, selling agent's commission. The seller will pay it like they do title insurance or appraisal costs as just part of the seller concession. So, so it'll, it'll just show up as a, a seller credit then? Yeah, it'll show okay. up as a seller credit, you know, to handle all or part of the buyer agent's fee. Uh, Wall Street does not think maybe 20% of the buyers will be able to pay for a buyer agent in some way. So they're not real optimistic on buyers executing buyer rep, no, buyer rep agreements. And uh, they're more knowledgeable than me. So, but I do <laughs> think that sellers are probably going to say, well, you know, I don't want to pay 3% towards the buyer agent but I'm not unwilling to pay one because I know that it will get me a higher price on my house if I have a seller, a buyer agents aggressively marketing my property. So what is this? So for the seller's agent, right? They're kind of in the same situation that they've, that they've somewhat traditionally been in, right? They're still gonna go out there, solicit sellers to list their home with them 
and they're still going to negotiate on their side in terms of the compensation for listing that property but it's the it's the section that's always been the the three percent or the two and a half percent that would go towards the buyer's agent that essentially doesn't get written into the contract well it it probably won't i mean yeah. i i think when this really disseminates and again i have to keep quoting wall street sorry about sure. that no, wall street did a lot of um uh research on the issue and and they think that's exactly what's going to happen that that the listing agent is going to list they'll negotiate potentially some smaller fee paid directly by the seller to the buyer agent but they're probably not going to get the two and a half to three that they've been used to when all this plays out now let me say another thing that wall street said that i found was very interesting they said that the market may not quickly adjust to this, that there may take time for the consumers to become knowledgeable about their ability to negotiate a commission amount. So um, they said, we don't really know if this is going to, you know, go through the industry and really be a game changer. But I think they're hedging their bets. I think uh, aggressive listing agents are going to go out and say, I'll list you for 4% you know, and and that's probably gonna gonna happen fairly quickly. Well, there's tons of competition that's already out there, right? I mean, like the the statistics that are being thrown around in terms of, you know, the overcapacity in even the lending side of the the business in terms of, you know, personnel, you know, it's 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 bleak, right? There's a lot of talk of there needs to be additional contraction in the labor force on the mortgage side. Well, if we're hearing that then certainly it's true on the other side in terms of real estate agents, et cetera. So you're going to need something that's going to set you aside from all the other competition, it, not to mention, right, the the problem that we've continued to see and will continue to see in terms of just overall being inventory for houses to be listed for sale or for buyers to go to go purchase. The way Wall Street puts it is there's going to be a smaller commission pool. <laughs> the pie has gotten smaller. The pie is getting smaller <laughs> for all of us. That's you know, it. It's not just it's not just the real estate agents, and um, you know I I do think that this affords what you just said in terms of industry contraction. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to be a bit of a, a game changer, but really Zillow has already started it. Something like over 50% of people now find their properties online and they contact the listing agent directly and the listing agent puts them with a buying agent because gotcha. they have to pay them anyway. Right. So I think that is going to be the true game changer where the, the super agent that is on Zillow and Realtor.com is going to be just, you know, really powerful in terms of uh, placing borrowers with potential agents or representing them themselves. And 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 right now they have to use a buyer agent because of the way it's structured. Right. You don't have to do it if this if this gets uh, implemented. Yeah, because that seems to be the more natural progression from where I said in that. If you can find your house online, right, the one that you want, 
and you're like, absolutely, that's it. And you just literally you just need somebody to show it to you. If you have the ability to just reach directly to that listing agent who's going to know the most about that property anyway to then go show you. And then at the end of the day, you're like, yep, this is the one that I wanted. Um, right. Like there's there's not a, a ton more work to be done. Again, that's what Wall Street says. They say yep. that this is going to reduce the friction yep. in the industry on buying a house. And that's what they're predicting. I personally think that's where it's going to go. Gotcha. So as we're, you know, we're peeling into this, right, I think that there's, you know, there's some natural solutions um, for the buyers, right? So if you're a buyer and that you're able to go direct to a listing agent um, or even negotiate your buying agent fees, et cetera, is, is, and is, and am I getting that correct too? Is that part of the solution for buyers is that they may seek representation, but instead of just a, you know, reach out to, your brother's sister's mother about, you know, or your 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 brother-in-law's, uh, you know, mother or some, you know, whatever that 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 analogy is. That it's just already assumed that those costs are going to be incurred by the seller. Are they now going to when they reach out to those buyers agents? Will those buyers then uh, essentially be asked, you know, okay, cool, this is what my cost to show you these houses are. This is what it is for me to issue a contract. This is so on and so forth. Or what do you think that looks like? Well, I first of all, I think a buyer's representation agreement is fantastic yep. for everybody. I mean, my preference, of course, as a lawyer is to see buyers paper up. You know, I yeah. want to see you get a representation agreement because then you know where you stand. Right. And, and the typical buyer representation agreement gives a credit if the seller is going to contribute towards your commission. So you could negotiate something with a buyer agent where you say you agree to pay them, uh, you know, say 1%. And mm -hmm. if the seller also agrees to pay 1%, effectively you'll be paying nothing just like you are today. But gotcha. it would be negotiated separately and transparently with the seller. And that's the big change. It Got isn't. It a hidden cost, it's a cost that's out in the sunlight and everybody knows what it is and it's been negotiated and the buyer gets actual representation, not uh, indirectly from basically what amounts to a seller sub agent. Yeah, well, and I think that's huge. I, I know that in I the, do. you know, the home, yeah, the home that I purchased, gosh, in 2020, um, the seller had just purchased that home like six months previous. COVID lockdown occurred. They had three kids, married. Every you know, the both the husband and wife were used to going to work, so the house was perfect for that. But as soon as they were grounded, they both had to work from home. The kids needed to be schooled at home. They're like, "There's no way this is going to work, right?" So they had to sell that sell the house, and that you know, to our benefit. But what was interesting to see was that the listing agent also represented them on the buy side for that particular mm -hmm. closing so they got their six points there when they went to go list the house it was for another six and so he was still that same real estate agent was a listing agent and then you know naturally i had a buyer's agent on it but in the matter of i don't know seven eight months um picked up nine percent of that and of course the property appreciated between the time that they had originally bought it and we had purchased it. So it's just, 
almost 10% of uh, that entire cost, right? Um, went to the real estate agent. It's what, what you're talking remarkable. about there. Yeah, what you're talking about there is really the super agents. Yep. Um, and honestly, 20% of the agents make the deals happen. Okay. So, you know, it's the old, what do they call it, Pareto rule. You know, 20% mm -hmm. of the agents do 80% of the deals. And you are obviously watching a super agent at work. Yep. Or uh, a premier agent, to use another term for them. Yeah. And so I think what, what we're going to see here is, you know, some natural um, I don't know, savings, right, to, uh, ultimately to the consumer, which is which is fantastic to see, especially as we, you know, even regardless of everything else that's going on in this world, interest rates, you know, cresting at 8% and coming down a little bit, but still much, much higher than what we've seen, you know, 12, 18 months ago. Any yeah. type of savings is going to be a win. Absolutely. And internationally, our real estate commissions are significantly higher than mm -hmm. England, Australia, or the rest of the world. So there's some legitimacy to what you're saying is we may be, the way we structured it with the MLS may be a little more expensive than perhaps it could be in a free market. Right. Um, so as this pertains more to brokers and lenders, and this is really kind of the, the hallmark, right? These are, you know, our, you know, our listeners are generally brokers that may be interested in correspondent, existing non-delegateds, um, or even, you know, correspondent lenders that are just looking for, you know, an edge in the marketplace. What's the opportunity through this NAR judgment and, and what seems to be coming down the pipe here in the next uh, in, in 2024, what's the opportunity for, say, a broker in this environment? <clears throat> well, the problem that a broker has is they're not defined legally as lender. And if right. you're a lender, then the realtor can put down one of your cards. But if you're broker, you really can't because you're not a lender and the uh, rules on steering are you put down three lenders card. So what's the definition of a lender? A lender is a entity that has a warehouse line and whose name goes on the note. Right. So basically you've got the equivalent of a credit line. Now, if you're going to be going out and marketing, let's just call them the super brokers or the super real estate agents, Right. First thing you need to tell them is I've got a line of credit. I'm mm -hmm. not a broker. I'm a lender. When I do a borrower qualification, you can literally take it to the bank because I've got a bank. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's unbelievably important to builders. And it's unbelievably important to real estate agents to know that your borrower qualification process is backed up by a credit line. And if you're competing against brokers, you should be able to make it clear that your bar qualification letter is doesn't have to be signed off by anybody. You have a credit line. It's good when you sign it. And that's literally gold. It's literally yeah. gold. And that's the deal, right? Is that because as brokers, you're just brokering a credit arrangement between a buyer and a lender. And so yeah, there's you're no a lender. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So there's no way for you to you know, position yourself other than, you know, hey, I've got all these lender relationships. Instead, as that, 
you know, as a non-delegated correspondent or as a correspondent lender, you're solidifying. And this is something, you know, we've been talking about for years and years and years and years is that you want to solidify to you know, real estate agents and title to builders, to buyers, to sellers, et cetera, that you are the lender, your name's on the closing documents, you're sending your wire to closing, et cetera. So, and, and thank you for making that distinct distinction, Chris, but what does that mean now, right? Like what's changed, right? We've been preaching these, you know, th that you need to be able to solidify yourself to, to all these parties in the transaction, but why is it different now um, as it relates to, to the judgment? Because you're probably, let's just be honest. Yep. As this goes forward, there's going to be less and less buyer agents mm -hmm. and less and less pressure on you to approve a particular buyer. And as you move towards listing agents, they are much more interested in property conversion. They want to know that that inventory can be moved. They don't particularly care, let's be honest, who the buyer is or if they have three children or what their issues are. <laughs> they have a contractual responsibility to their seller to move that property for the listing price. And that's going to be the pitch that you need to make is I'm here to move your inventory predictably. And, you know, these heartbreaking little letters of, you know, Sally Sue is a good person, you know, that is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> these people are sharks. <laughs> they, right. they, they, uh, they just keep swimming and they want to know that your buyer is qualified and your buyer can do the deal and that you're going to get a appraisal that uh, you know you can literally count on and not that you have to argue about back and forth with some let's just be honest four or five different lenders <laughs> so it's uh, it's really about reducing deal friction is really right. what this is and there's just no better way to reduce deal friction than frankly to have a warehouse line it's the absolute best way to reduce deal friction yeah and I think that, uh, it, thank you, Chris, for, for putting a bow on it, because that I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that if you're going to be able to negotiate this, and this is something that we're already seeing from our lenders, we're mm -hmm. seeing more and more of our lenders, and this has been something that that's you know occurred for really the last few years, more and more lenders are being, are, are being sought after first before the you know the buyer starts to go talk to real estate agents because houses have gotten so expensive mm -hmm. and so people want to know you know hey how much am i going to be able to afford you know et cetera et cetera i think that you're really taking that instead of you know a um a lender doing the pre-qual and then trying to match them with maybe a buyer's agent that they know instead they can essentially start working on strategies of you know who are the the you know the power agents that are out there that are getting most of the listings in the area that my buyer's looking in? And I absolutely. think absolutely, right? absolutely, absolutely. And so, and so as that lender, as as you know, our our independent mortgage lenders are able to solidify themselves in the markets that they're looking to serve, they can use those prequals. And they can show their ability to perform, to close on time, to have control over the overall transaction, to win over those relationships with those listing agents. And, and with this NAR judgment, 
in in with the way the real estate uh, environment's looking to move, they don't have to be necessarily beholden entirely to um, buyer's agent. They can cut to the chase, and they can, in that way, hopefully save save their their buyers some money. And in really, truth of the matter, even the seller um, in what they're they're looking to do. It's more than that. Let's just be honest. There's yep. five borrowers for every house. Mm-hmm. You got to get them to a house. Right. You got to get them to a house. You got to get access to that inventory however you need to do it because what's the good if you have 10 qualified borrowers if none of them can find a house oh that's it um, right i mean that's that's the big thing is that does does you no good and we've got and i know you know a lot of our listeners are probably shaking their head right now saying yep i know exactly what you're talking about i've got a great pipeline of prequels if they could just only find a house um and i this is the way this is a great way for our lenders um to to partner up and find those those power brokers uh real estate brokers so that they can get these deals closed um keep their pipelines full as well as you know, work strategically yes that's exactly right remember you can't do a loan without collateral <laughs> yep, <laughs> you that's need that collateral <laughs> that's it that's it. And so I, you know, I'd, I'd like to leave it for our listeners. You know, if you're a broker, you're listening to this. Um, it's not, it's not all over, right? I think that, um, you know, certainly reach out to somebody like First Funding um, in terms of, you know, what it takes to get approved for a warehouse line. You might be shocked um, that, you know, for a $100,000 net worth, 630 plus credit score for principal owners, you can get in, you know, kind of an introductory warehouse line. Um, you know, at First Funding, we're happy to help correspondents or brokers make that transition into that correspondent lending model. We can help answer your questions. And Chris, I know that you can help in terms of the back office. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the fulfillment services at Pearson Patterson? Well, the main thing to understand is the most important part of your entire loan is the note. Yep. And if you remember that that amount on the note, the $400,000, that's what you're dealing with. You're basically yep. dealing with money as you yep. move money from point A to point B. So all I can say is, and title insurance does not cover your note. Right. So you want someone handling your collateral who takes it seriously. Yep. Because it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely is. And, and you know, that's why we appreciate so much of the support over all the years and currently. Um, and being able to, you know, receipt notes same day, get the proper endorsement done, attach the Bailey, get it mm-hmm. shipped timely in a traceable fashion, and as well as be, follow up on the delivery. Um, it's, because it's they're really as good the as most gold. important part. It really is. You know, other than getting a warehouse line, and I can tell you as a RESPA attorney, representing a broker is a nightmare. It's it's so many barriers in terms of being able to legally defend what you have to do to earn your fee. But you know what you have to do if you're a lender? Prove up they have a warehouse line, and that's the end of your defense. Right. Well, that's... that's, 
that's it's it's good for everybody to 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 understand and appreciate that kind of importance and the distinction between those roles. Mm-hmm. And I know, Chris, we could go down into a, a whole rabbit hole in some of the conversations that we had heard last week and all the worries and concerns. But I think this is sufficient for now. Um, I think this gives our lenders a lot to think about in terms of how they approach the new year. And you know, for the brokers that are out there, what to do in terms of pivoting. Um, opening up a new channel through which you're going to do your business in 2024 um, so that you can have the most success. Thanks, Chris, for joining us. Um, Guys, if you have any questions, please feel free to send them in to info at nondellinfluencers.com. Please be sure to share and subscribe this podcast to all your friends, family, coworkers, et cetera. And we appreciate you for listening. Have a good one.